You're listening to Human Rights Talks, organized by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. Uh, We, of course, work on issues related to mass atrocity crimes, and we've been extremely um, troubled by the Russian invasion and they're being committed against Ukrainian civilians. Uh, We know the International Criminal Court has issued an arrest warrant against Russian officials, including Vladimir Putin, for the abduction of of Ukrainian children. Um, And we've seen, uh, um, tied to that, a coordinated campaign of disinformation, uh, which is, I can only um, say, is Orwellian in nature. Um, And uh, Ambassador Bob Ray, um, for those of you who don't know, Ambassador Ray is with us today. He's Canada's ambassador to the UN in New York. Um, He's a long-serving... Canadian politician, the former Premier of Ontario, and then went on to be the interim uh, leader of the Liberal Party of Canada and played a leading role after leaving politics, where he served as Canada's special envoy on humanitarian and refugee issues, which followed his appointment as Canada's special envoy to Myanmar, where he was tasked with trying to help the Rohingya or, or try to protect the Rohingya and um, in the fall of the Rohingya genocide. So, Ambassador Ray, it's great to be uh, with us today. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be with you, and uh, I look forward to uh, to a good chat on on a on a very important subject uh, because uh, uh, I always feel that um, perhaps my most important preparation for for being in this job at this time was that I've been a life a lifelong uh, reader uh, of uh, of George Orwell. So I I not only not only reading Animal Farm and uh, 1984, but all of his his works and essays over many, many years. And I feel that that's probably one of the best um, introductions to the life of the UN that I've uh, <laughs> that I've had. So I'm uh, I'm delighted, delighted to be to be with you and, and talking about this very critical subject. So, so Ambassador Ray, I, I agree with you, and I, I'm I'm about to reread Orwell's work as well. I do every couple of years, but now I, I feel looking at international affairs and and what's been happening at the UN, um, it's even more important than ever. So, um, so I agree with you. I'd like to just maybe start off. I mean, Ambassador Ray, you you've been you know very outspoken. Your speeches on be, on behalf of the government of Canada in New York at the UN have caught everyone's attention, and you've been also very active on Twitter. Um, calling out what you've seen as disinformation or, or perhaps even more just just pure propaganda and I'm wondering if you could tell us um, uh, you know we know that the um, uh, Russia took over or was the president of the UN um, Security Council for the month of April and and as they took over um, on April 1st which is you know um, great April Fool's Day unfortunately it wasn't one um, the, the Russians took over the UN Security Council just after the International Criminal Court issued an arrest warrant against uh, Vladimir Putin and uh, Russia's um, child rights ombudsman slash commissioner. If you could just tell me about how how did this take, how was this seen by member states um, as this started to happen and 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 kind of the farce uh, of disinformation that you witnessed? How can you exp- tell us about 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 how this was seen by other member states? I think the uh, first of all, I, I think that in 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 analyzing this event for the last month, uh, it has to be said that the Security Council probably had less impact on anything than in, 
than in most other months. I, I think one, in a sense, the good news is that um, Russia's uh, behavior, uh, in substantive terms, the invasion of Ukraine, uh, the terrible atrocities that have been committed and are being committed on a daily basis, the bombing of civilian sites, the destruction of entire cities, uh, the deaths of tens of thousands of civilians uh, as a result of what they've done, uh, the forcible deportation of, uh, of children. Uh, these, these are what I call the substantive uh, and horrendous crimes that Russia has committed. And I think that uh, there is a general sense uh, here in New York that uh, this has this is this this has become the defining moment for Russia, and how Russia is seen and how Russia's activities are uh, interpreted. Uh, but obviously, crimes of this kind are committed, um, uh, knowing what the world's reaction will be, and therefore, in order to uh, support the campaign, the military campaign. Uh, they need a propaganda campaign, uh, and so Russia has been has been carrying on a a propaganda campaign, a, a campaign of lies, of deliberate uh, disinformation, not just distortion, but deliberate lies, deliberate disinformation, deliberate uh, attempts to change the subject or to uh, to to false equivalencies between what they have been doing and what they allege others have been doing, um, all kinds of rhetoric, and, and they will use any platform that is available to them. And unfortunately, the Security Council platform was made available to them uh, because of their role as a permanent member of the, uh, of the Security Council. And the presidency of the Security Council rotates every month so the bad news, they were there for a month. The good news, they were there for a month. It's not a lifetime. It's not forever. It's, it's not that they can't single-handedly control the agenda because the reality is their events were very poorly attended. No one went. Uh, people ignored much of what they had to say. And uh, when Foreign Minister Lavrov was here, I think he's become... Um, uh, almost a comic figure in, 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 the, in the absolutely pathetic attempts that he makes to um, re-characterize and reframe uh, what Russia is doing. But I, I mean, there are obviously a great many countries, of which Canada is one, that just simply don't believe him, or know better, and aren't taken in. Um, there are other countries which are more dependent on Russia, and I think we see that in Africa in particular, um, but in Asia as well, and Myanmar and uh, other parts of Asia, Russia is making every effort to uh, sustain uh, alliances, uh, mainly by military assistance and military intervention. And there are many countries in Africa, as we know now, that are now militarily dependent on Russia. Uh, either directly through state institutions or through the Wagner Group, which is kind of a proxy for uh, for uh, for Russia. So it, it's <clears throat> did they use the did they try to use the Security Council as one of their platforms to amplify their lies? Yes, of course they did. You know, were those lies believed? Um, I don't I don't think there's any doubt that unless 
effectively counteracted, um, some people will believe Russian propaganda. Uh, and obviously they spend a lot of time on Twitter and, and their social media accounts and on their television controlled accounts inside Russia, which other people amazingly watch <laughs> from uh, uh, to get a hold of their, their, their propaganda. I mean, it's quite systematic. It's very reminiscent and, and directly derivative of what they did as the Soviet Union, what the Russian Communist Party was notorious for doing, was redefining uh, the truth and redefining, attempting to reconfigure history in a variety of ways. And all of that is something which Russia still does and which uh, is very much part of their, their MO. It's how, it's how they are in the world. It's how they are when they speak. Uh, so we, we need to understand that um, and we need to, to take it seriously in the sense that we need to, to counteract it as much as we possibly can. And I think um, Western governments have, have, uh, have, I think, discovered the need to really get back in the game of countering the propaganda, countering the lies, uh, and countering the, the, the disinformation and the misinformation. So that's, that's, more, that's being done more actively now by our own government and by other governments and, and, and in efforts to coordinate it more effectively. I, I agree with you that that well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that governments are starting to take this more seriously and, and counter uh, Russia's propaganda, particularly related to human rights. I think that that's important. But I'd like to get back to to you know the, at the start of the of the the Russian invasion over a year ago uh, into the rest of Ukraine, not just Crimea. They basically said it was a special military operation. They're saying peacekeepers in to stop a genocide in, in Donbass. And and the international, sorry, not the International Criminal Court, but the International Court of Justice basically said that was hogwash. It, it, there, there was no genocide taking place. And, and and But we keep on seeing the narrative of Russia change. They still bring up, oh, there's a genocide there. There's a mass atrocity crimes, but no serious human rights organization gives any... Um, any um, evidence to suggest that Russia is, is speaking the truth. It, it's contrary to that. I'm wondering how you see that as, as hurting um, the international human rights system and particularly related to the Genocide Convention when we have a, a member of the UN Security Council lying on purpose and, and, and abusing um, what the actual Genocide Convention was, was meant to do. Well, the simple truth is that does. I mean, that, they, they do lie. Uh, they, and, and I think the importance of challenging the International Court of Justice um, took them by surprise because I, I, I think they figured they could just get away with this, this campaign, this propaganda campaign, which went on for, for years uh, in, uh, in eastern Ukraine and, and uh, in, in various fora in the UN and elsewhere, uh, where they insisted that they, you know, they were being... They were being attacked, where they insisted that the atrocities were being committed, and, and where they insisted that no Russian troops were present. We know all those things are, are false. Um, and where they, they made the allegation that, uh, that they invented the excuse of genocide to say, we're moving in to protect the people that need protection. Well, I'd remind you, that's what Hitler did in the, in the Sudetenland campaign. I mean, students should really, uh, students of history should really study uh, for example, what 
you know, the, the systematic effort that was made from the time of the Reichstag fire in 1933 uh, to the end of 1945, uh, what, what, what a, the German Nazi uh, propaganda machine did uh, in attempting to justify uh, what, uh, what steps Hitler took when he seized power in 1933. And it's very clear the parallels in the two are, are astounding. And I think it was Hannah Arendt in her great book, The Origins of Totalitarianism, which, which came out in the early 1950s, which, which pointed to the, to the parallels between these, <clears throat> these two regimes of Soviet Union and, 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 uh, and the techniques that they used and how the use of propaganda, the use of law, the use of misinformation uh, was not a sort of side play, uh, but was very much a, a integral part of, of how they did business, how they did their, did what would, <coughs> what we call diplomacy, but which is really an, an abomination of diplomacy. Uh, and, and, and there, I think you see exactly the same thing happening with Russia, which is why I think we have to recognize that Russia has taken on more and more of the characteristics of a of a fascist and attempt to be a totalitarian state. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. No, I, I agree with you. I, I, and I think that's the farcical element about all of this is the accusations that uh, that the Kiev regime, all of uh, Ukraine is a Nazi state, when in fact, um, the parallels, as you mentioned, is that it's the Russian government that is uh, following the playbook of of Nazi Germany, and and it's it just it, it's it's hard to believe that they're pushing this out there. Ambassador Ray, like as civil society organizations, there's one thing governments can do. But I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on what organizations, human rights organizations, research centers, think tanks can do to in the battle of this in this disinformation space. Well, I think the battle is is becoming even more critical because of AI. Uh, I, I think that what we now um, belatedly, I would say, understand is that artificial intelligence has the ability to multiply um, a gazillion fold the impact that um, <coughs> disinformation can take in terms of ability to swap photographs. I mean, you know the story, I mean the story, not the story, but the reality that the attack of, on uh, Uman last week was immediately turned around by uh, Russian television to be a picture of, of an attack by the Ukrainians against, against the Russians, against the Russian city. And you, you look at this and say, that this, is just, <laughs> this is just unbelievable. But it, it isn't unbelievable. It's very believable. And when we look at what the impact of AI on social media is going to be, um, the disinformation is going to spread like wildfire uh, in ways that are completely, we can scarcely imagine today the ability to uh, change pictures, to change films, to change uh, all digital media to a, a point where it will be harder and harder for us to say this is, this is the truth and this is the lie. But that doesn't mean we stop, we stop doing it, but it means it's more difficult. Because uh, what's true and what's false is, you know, the one of the specialties of, of of the world of Russian propaganda is to say there is no truth. There are truth is always relative, 
what, who is truth, your, this is my truth, that's your truth. Truth is a subjective thing, it's not an objective thing. Uh, and, and that, that the, the, philosophy of, the philosophers of chaos are, are always quick to, uh, to, to push that line. But I think we can assume now that this, this uh, artificial intelligence is here to stay. But I think we all have to understand that it's, it's going to allow for a multiplication, um, millions and millions fold, to uh, potential for disinformation. I agree with you, and, and the authoritarian state's use of these emerging technologies, um, um, and, and their aim is to, to also to penetrate the democratic societies. And, 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 uh, and oh, totally. To, yeah, and, and we've seen that a report was done last week by Disinfo Watch in Canada by Marcus Kolga showing that uh, Russian um, interference in Canada on Twitter was uniting the far left and far right, the horseshoe theory. So this is something that we, we, we have to take seriously. I'm wondering, Ambassador Ray, you know, we were just talking about media freedom this week, an important day about free media and supporting journalists, and that's a, a big part of Canadian foreign policy. Um, and we see a lot of disinformation by Russia, you know, accusing uh, Western media of being biased. But in reality, um, Russia has shut down all independent media, even, um, you know, famous Russian uh, journalists, that, the, the gentleman who won the Nobel Peace Prize had to shut down his his media company. So so how do we respond or how do we look at uses this? But in, on the, in the, when it comes to media and freedom of journalists, Russia doesn't really it's not up there as an Olympic champion. It's 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 the opposite, isn't it? Oh, totally. I mean, I, I think we have to have to realize that Ru the Russian state has become a disinformation state. Uh, not only disinforming their own citizens, and and uh, the Russian people uh, have a tremendously difficult time getting access to because they shut down internet sites, they shut down access, they close institutions that uh, do allow for free access and, and prevent Russian citizens from seeing it. And then they just keep feeding them in a, in a disinformation, lying propaganda loop. They just keep sending them to this, this nonsense over and over and over again. Luckily, we, we, can, we in the West can, can watch this stuff. I mean, we, get, we can watch this completely bizarre nighttime television, the, the re-jigging the re and the reworking of uh, any picture or any <laughs> any debate or any discussion and uh, it, it's a it's an extraordinary machine they've created in uh, in Russia but we can see much of it so we can see how how, how crazy it is and how manic it is um, and all we can do I think at the moment is really do everything we can in our power to take this propaganda and disinformation seriously and to counteract it you know minute by minute hour by hour which is frankly one of the reasons that you know somebody somebody suggested to me it was time for me to leave twitter and i said no i'm not gonna leave this platform uh <laughs> without uh without trying to do my counteract what is such systematic disinformation and i and i certainly think we should use the un the platforms that are available to us here as a place where we have to engage multilaterally because this is the one place where we can talk to countries who are who negatively impacted by uh, by Russian, uh, dis not only disinformation, but also other forms of intervention which Russia and China are taking in an attempt to refashion the world in their own image.
Um, this, this is the UN is one of the key battlegrounds for this. I, I agree with you. And, and uh, Russia has weaponized Western social media and doesn't let their citizens use it. But, but all the governments on there are propaganda. So we can't leave that space empty. We have to challenge it. Uh, Ambassador Ray, I would like to, you know, just just a couple of days ago, um, there was a UN resolution with a reference to Russia's aggression against Ukraine. And surprisingly, at the General Assembly, there was a, an overwhelming number of countries that voted to support that. And even China and India, I think, um, they didn't abstain. What does this tell us about what's happening at the UN General Assembly? Is there, um, I know we hear the Russian disinformation, but but is there a consensus um, that, that, that Russia is the aggressor state? Is that what you're seeing? I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, I mean, I think that, you know, this resolution was not focused exclusively on that question. It was a resolution in which there were a number of other elements to it, uh, which countries, I think, felt they, they wanted to vote for. Um, so they, they decided, uh, I think, in a quite calculated way to say, we'll vote for the resolution. And when we get challenged, we'll say, well, that wasn't, the, you know, that wasn't the critical uh, element of the resolution. It was just one of the things that was that was mentioned in the resolution. And they decided not to not to uh, not to not to split away from it. Um, but I, I think that what it shows is that in private, everyone knows Russia is the aggressor. I mean, there's no question about that. And, and I think publicly we've seen in the votes in the beginning, the first vote that was taken, I think in the other votes that have been taken, I think it's been very, very clear that this is, uh, this is what Russia does, but it's not just Russia. There, there are a number of countries that, uh, that, that specialize in, um, in, in, in propaganda and specialize in, in trying to do everything they can to control the flow of information and to, to, to turn information in a way that, uh, frankly, leads to people being misinformed and disinformed uh, because the, the information is so biased. And this is something of which we have to be incredibly aware. It, it is, uh, it's now, you know, feeding the air that we all breathe uh, and the pictures that we all see. Um, and we need to understand what's at stake. This is about uh, turning heads, turning minds, and frankly, heads and twisting minds. And we have to understand this is the nature of, of, of the battle that we're in right now. Uh, this is the world we're in. And, we can't turn away from it or pretend that it's not happening. It is happening, and we have to do everything we can to, to counter it uh, and to present uh, facts and information, um, not in a way that uh, always reflects our own, our own self-interest, but in a way that reflects the, the general public interest in getting at the facts. And, and we think that's a, a, key, a, key, a key battle for us right now. Oh, I agree with you, and and uh, and you mentioned the governments are starting to get more serious. I'm hoping that foundations and civil society will also um, get more involved, and and because we need all all hands on deck to deal with this kind of new type of information warfare. Um, totally agree. So we have the ambassador for for a few more minutes. I'm wondering if there's anyone listening in that would like to him a question. You can um, you can there's a little function in this so you can raise a hand or request to speak. Uh, does anybody, uh, is anyone out there would like to have a closing question for the ambassador? Or is everyone shy today? Or any of my colleagues, uh, Marie or Lauren? Uh, ambassador, I was wondering if you could comment on um, yesterday's or Russia's um, uh, accusations that Ukraine and, and the U.S. are 
um, are attacked the Kremlin and, and Vladimir Putin with the, with the drones. How when when such informations arises on online and in in official declarations about Russia, what is your role? What do you do to try and understand what's going on? Well, I think when when that accusation is made, I think it should be treated with an extraordinary amount of skepticism. Um, because you, you've got to ask yourself the question, well, how, would, how could that possibly have happened? Uh, what is the likelihood of that happening? What is the likelihood of, of that being even physically possible? And the second thing is, is to say that based on the propaganda uh, out, outburst today, where Russia is threatened uh, through Mevdivev, has threatened to kill uh, Zelensky and have said that you know we're going to. This now gives us the excuse to attack and the reason to attack uh, Kiev. You know, at every level, this gives us the reason and the excuse to blow up. You know, all of Ukraine. Uh, you say to yourself, well, that's that's the way. Um, uh, that's the way we we. That gives them the re- that, that then you realize well that's. That's how you have to interpret their their assertion that this event happened, um, because the event then becomes a pretext for other things. And modern history, the, perhaps the best example of that is the is the, the 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 Reichstag fire, which was used by Hitler as an excuse to say, "Oh, this was done by and this was the guy that did it, and this is what happened, and and now this is what we have to do to to, to respond to it." And 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 it was, became an excuse for incredible repression and for uh, extraordinary activities in in Berlin, and immediately after the time when Hitler seized power, so this to me is this raises all kinds of alarm bells in my head to say, well, we've got to we've got to understand the Russians are looking increasingly desperately for a, a pretext to to do other things, and this may be part of that. So I I, I don't think you leap to conclusions based on the Russians saying there was such an attack. My first reaction isn't to, isn't to say, oh, my goodness, that's terrible. There was an attack on the Kremlin. My first reaction is to say, what would make them and lead them to make that assertion? Yeah, so quickly, <laughs> so quickly, just as uh, the Ukrainian president is is visiting the International Criminal Court in The Hague, it does, um, it does put it into perspective. Ambassador Ray, I really want to thank you for taking time from your busy schedule to talk to us today. Uh, it's appreciated. Um, we follow your work on Twitter, and um, and thank you for uh, for holding truth to power and, and for being such an active voice for human rights on behalf of the Canadian government. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Look forward to chatting again. See you See. later. Thank Bye-bye. you. Have a great day. Bye.